This episode of Crossing Broadcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for their app today and use our promo code CROSSINGBROAD. And by Odd Logic Brewing Company. Located at 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA, Odd Logic Brewing Company is the best place to go to watch a game. This Sunday for the Eagles game, they'll have the game on all of their TVs with a commentary going through their surround sound system. They'll have food trucks outside. And hey, despite having been open for just four weeks, they've already poured over 6,500 beers. And that's just the start. In 2020, they're going to bring back their fan favorite, the Invisible Friends, an 8% hazy double IPA that was the beer that birthed the buzz of Odd Logic Brewing Company before they even had a location. Plus, in 2020, they'll be releasing 10 new beers. So go check them out, Odd Logic Brewing Company, at 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA. And now, Crossing Broadcast. Playoff time! Playoffs! It's time. Playoffs. It is time. The Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, they delivered the best Chris Mahana Kwanzaa gift that anyone in the Delaware Valley could hope for, unless your name was Ryan Lennox. And that, of course, is playoffs. I'm Russ Joy. Follow me on Twitter, at Joy on Broad. Caddy Corner from me. The man who likes to break all these things down the day after, Kevin Kincaid. Find him on Twitter, at Kevin underscore Kincaid. It's great to be with you guys in the studio again. I apologize for not being here last week. I was sick. Not sure what's wrong with me, but I'm glad to be back with you on a NFC East Championship Monday in the Delaware Valley. Next to him, Big Bet Bob. Bob Wankel. Follow him on Twitter at Bob Wankel CB. How are we doing today? How are we feeling out there? Wow. Uh, next to me, Anthony Sanfilippo. Find him on Twitter at Philly. Uh, guys, Anthony has issued a statement that he wanted shared with all of I you swear, at the start I knew he would do this. of the program. I didn't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. <laughs> I hate you so much. I don't know if I if I like despise you as a person for doing it, or if it's Lennox's fault for having the sound drop and, and and aiding and embedding you on this one. Like, I don't like this. Didn't you just say that you were thankful for me? Yeah, for okay. Snow the Goalie, All not right. for this nonsense. I right, just want to make sure. Okay. I can't believe you didn't, like, have the audio queued yeah, up. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't go back and have him dig up the actual audio. Yeah, uh, this is, what, uh, seven weeks ago and then uh, six weeks ago you know, and five uh, weeks ago? That's only, too much. That's too much. Not only the Eagles going to beat the Seahawks, <clears throat> didn't, they're going to win the division. That was the uh, original quote. Actually, the original one was the weekend of the Patriots. Was the first time was I it? said it. Okay. Yeah, just to be just to be honest. Okay. But yeah, well, really, there was never any doubt, you know, <laughs> none that the Eagles were going to win the division, throwing to Deontay Burnett, none, Robert Davis, Greg Ward, and I. I mean, everybody knew that Boston Scott was going to run for three touchdowns <laughs> in the game that decided the division right is it time to issue an apology a formal apology to one howie roseman no absolutely not uh no no because well i then i guess the question is why weren't these guys (laughs) institutional (laughs) arrogance i think because uh, there's an easy and obvious answer to that it's because you're paying the other dudes. These other guys. And yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not so easy to just say, like, oh, all right, well, yeah, you know what? On uh, Wednesday, it, it looks well, pretty good. But in fairness, though, we do know the, the contract structure. 
And the guaranteed money in football is very different, though. It's uh, not It's not like when you're held up against the cap mm-hmm. for an extended period of time like you are in basketball uh, or in hockey. I'll say this. I don't think it's time to offer an apology to Howie just yet because, yeah, these guys are, are performing right now, but we don't know what their long-term potential is, right? I mean, they could just be flashes in the pan, and then it's just like, oh, hey, caught, you know, lightning in a bottle, right? But is it fair to say it's time to apologize to some other people like the head coach like his coaching staff, who we've killed personally, I've killed them on this program, and a little bit the quarterback. I still think they have to do their homework with the coaching staff. I would be shocked if there weren't some changes moving forward. But I'll tell you this. I mean, I said it last night, and maybe it was kind of being swept away in the moment, but Doug Peterson, for my money, when you look at contextually, and I know that Harbaugh and I know that Shanahan, these are going to be the guys that get the most votes for NFL Coach of the Year. But when you look at the way that this season has unfolded, and you could say that Doug Peterson put them in a hole early in the year, that mistakes that he made strategically in terms of personnel, game calling, put them in that hole. But when their backs are up against the wall with, again, all of the reason in the world to pack it in, hey, we made the playoffs two straight years, won a Super Bowl two years ago, for them to rally the way they did with the guys that we're talking about, Perkins, Scott, Burnett. Just Burnett, guys that you are like, who are these guys? There is absolutely no question, and we should all remember this next year when the Eagles are 3-3, three and three, Guy is one of the best five coaches in the NFL, hands down, end of sentence, period. <laughs> Let me just back it up so we have the whole thing for context here. Who's who, here's who they were missing yesterday. Zach Ertz, Jalen Mills, Ronald Darby, Lane Johnson, Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Malik Jackson, remember him? <laughs> Camus Grugier-Hill, Hassan Ridgeway, Darren Sproles, Jordan Howard, extremely limited, uh, Miles Sanders ruled out of the game, Brandon Brooks carted off the field and now ruled out for the rest of the season, and uh, Avante Maddox came out too. So they did it without all those guys. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, you can make a case for saying – you know they've done a fantastic job again, kind of picking up the scraps and and turning turn, turning it into something from going from five and seven to nine and seven in a division champ. I mean that's the glass half full way to look at it. The glass half empty. You know the pessimist would say, well they you know shouldn't have to get to this every year. You know it shouldn't it shouldn't have to get to this level of adversity. It shouldn't have to get to five and seven after a pair of home losses. You know coming off the bye week, it shouldn't have to get to you lose half of the team. You know, it shouldn't have to get to Nick Foles coming in and saving you, you know? I think that's why why Howie got, you know, why people have that split on Howie because they're, they're saying, well, look at the depth, look at the guys that they identified and put on the practice squad. But, yeah, I mean, it probably should never have come down to that in the first place. Or, you know, why, why if Greg Ward was so good, then why wasn't he playing this entire time? You know, I think that kind of hangs over, over that argument. It does feel good, though, on our side of things and on the fan side of things that, I feel like there's almost vindication and, and affirmation for the fan base that all of these weeks, months that we've questioned the validity of having Mac Hollins and Nelson Aguilar on this team in prominent roles. I mean, at this point, it's kind of like fire them into the sun, right? Maybe you want to make a case for Nelson Aguilar, like whatever, live your life. I think it's an exercise in futility, but do it. But like, Matt Collins is gone. We now finally, with 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 Alshon Jeffrey's injury, who I, I like Alshon, he was certainly hobbled this year, and Deshaun being out, it opened up the possibility to have some of these guys come up and, and be hungry players trying to prove their, their worth on this team. 
it just kind of speaks to how bad the guys who were in those roles were, doesn't it? Because so, what was the deal? Was this a, a lingering two-year Super Bowl hangover? Did they truly not like Carson Wentz? Did Carson Wentz just need any conflicts removed around him? You know, the Russell, the Russell Wilson treatment, right? Yep. You know, get rid of all the guys who don't like you or whatever. I mean, what? So, what? What are we? What if, if we're we're parsing that down to one thing? What changed? The hunger, the hunger's back. Right? Guys that, coming back. Guys, that, guys had something to prove coming into coming into a situation where that's they gotta were be like, the biggest part of this, though, doesn't it? Like, probably. If yeah. if you've been a guy who's been relegated to the practice squad for however many years, or if it's your first year and and you weren't a high draft pick, there's no resting on your laurels. It really is. Yeah. Any given moment, giving it a hundred percent, and especially, and, and maybe this plays into it as well. Is these guys haven't had the physically the physical taxing of their body. That in week 17, it's not like they've been playing at the NFL level. Alshon and uh, Aguilar had nothing to really prove yeah. this year. Matt Collins, to a certain extent, too. He's got his ring. But I'm saying, like, to, to some, <laughs> like the fresh, the idea of like fresh legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, absolutely. some of these guys are coming in and they're in the best shape of their lives. And by the way, they haven't had the wear and tear of a guy who's played 14 other weeks yeah, or 15 yeah, yeah. weeks in the, NF- yeah, in the that's NFL. Yeah, true. That's true. I think hunger's part of it. Chemistry's part of it. But I think a lot of it has to do with the quarterback, and it's it's the momentum of the quarterback. Don't you think at some point throughout the course of this year that this guy questioned himself a little bit? You know, like, it, you can, as a pro athlete, you block out the noise and you try to stay focused on the task at hand, but at some point he had to start questioning himself a little bit. I'm game sure Game after game where they were coming up small late, and he's having his struggles, and those the, the noise had to be getting to him a little bit. Now, he's going out, he's proven that he can do it, he can handle the moment, he's playing with a ton of confidence, a ton of momentum, and by the way, maybe he's actually healthy now, like fully healthy. Like, we see guys yeah. out there and we say, well, he's out there, so he needs to be 100%. But I think we, we focus so much on the chemistry and the hunger aspect of it, there's also a possibility that the reason that Carson Wentz is playing better is is partly because of momentum, his own momentum and confidence, but also because he may be back to full health. So did he? Let, let me. This is like kind of a question for the group. The, the questions that we had about Carson Wentz coming into the season, I think number one was was obviously can he get through a whole season healthy, right? Uh, number two was can he f- make it to a to a playoff game, right? Can he play in his first playoff game ever? I think another question was uh, can he. F- put the team on his back in a, a fourth quarter situation you know personnel be damned and you know had that comeback like I'm going to take over a game kind of performance I guess the fourth one was you know can can he cut down on the mistakes you know f- fix the fumbles and stuff like that he's never really thrown a ton of interceptions actually he only threw seven interceptions this year he still fumbled a lot but I mean if those were the four main questions did, did he do enough in, in your mind to kind of answer those questions about him yeah, I think that the most skeptical person looking at Carson Wentz would have to concede that he's checked the boxes this season. I mean, I don't know, independent of what happens on uh, on Sunday afternoon against the Seahawks, I don't know how you don't go into this offseason and not feel good about the quarterback. Yeah, I know, and it's and it's like I'm kind of with you, Bob, in the way that I, f- I feel like everybody who wa- – if you watched all 16 games that Carson Wentz played this year, there were plenty, plenty of times where he did not pass the eye test. You know, I think that's the problem that I have when Dan Orlovsky and other guys come in and they say, well, he's been great, he's doing this, he's doing this, he's doing this. Well, you ha- seriously, you got to watch every single snap that the guy plays because there's some things that you just can't cover up with uh, statistics. You know, whether it's Greg Ward or Deontay Burnett or uh, Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins out there on the trading block, as Russ once said, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, you know, 
you throw a bad pass, it doesn't matter who you're throwing the bad pass to. A bad pass is a bad pass. And there were times where he looked off, you know. So I don't, I don't think that absolves him from any of that stuff. But I think like the main questions that we had about him are probably answered, you know. Yeah, I mean? at the very least, you feel like he's trending in the right direction. Well, yeah, and it gets that stuff off of his back too. Because now you go into next year, you're not going to be sitting here hearing all these. You know, I hate the word narrative, but you're not going to be hearing these narratives in training camp. It's not going to be, well, Carson, do you think he can play a full season? You know, you're going to play in your first. What's what would it mean to get your first playoff experience? He can answer that. He can answer what it takes to be healthy for a full year. Just to be able to shut that stuff down and kind of like shift the storyline to something else, like move the discussion. Do, do you think he else? needs to win one playoff game though to kind of do that completely? Yes. I don't think he needs to to win it. I think if he comes out and plays well against the Seahawks, but ultimately ultimately they lose like twenty three to twenty or something like that, I still think it's okay. I still think you can turn that into something where you say, "Hey, we feel good about what we are." I mean, maybe their their luck just runs out and they don't have. If Lane Johnson doesn't play, for example, you say, "Oh, he didn't have his entire right side of his line." You know, he's still throwing to these guys. He could. It might catch up to him. Unless he has that, like, Rondé Barber, like, McNabb, Rondé Barber moment, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, like, yeah. like, I say this now, yeah. like, calm and happy and yeah. satisfied, but let's fast forward a week, and if so, they has one of those throws. Do you guys, did you guys, were you into the statistic that he set the uh, 4,000, the first Eagles quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards in a season? This is what I wrote this morning. You tell me if this is, like, accurate or inaccurate, right? Or if it's disingenuous. First Eagles quarterback to pass for 4,000 yards in a season. That's more than Donovan McNabb. With Terrell Owens and Brian Westbrook, that's more than Randall Cunningham with Keith Jackson and Chris Carter. It's more than Jaws with Harold Carmichael and Charlie Smith. I mean, does it matter who he was throwing to? I mean, because he again, well, it's not. I mean, it's not. You can say like there's uh, there's a statistic that was going around last night. Where it was like, well, he didn't have a 500 yard receiver. Well, I mean, how how many like uh, yeah, two tight ends, uh, it's, par- it's, tight ends it's, a, it's partially uh, it's partially you know interesting to me. Because you know, you look at I look at I'll make the comparison to Brady when he had the two tight ends, both Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. Okay, and those guys were catching a ton of passes. He still, even still, had a receiver who caught five hundred yards. Wide receiver who caught five hundred yards. Yeah, that's true. So, so in that sense, I could look at it and say it's impressive. Yeah. But at the same time. When you have Ertz and Goddard having the seasons that they had, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it does it does diminish it a little bit from what the way it's being perceived. I think by everybody today, that's very true. I just keep coming back to that one, like, and I don't know if you'd put Zach Ertz in the category of like, you know, again, I'll just say it because I already said it once. Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins, it's like you have you have that bona fide Pro Bowl wide receiver one who you know you can just throw the ball up to him and expect him to make a play. Yeah, you know? I think when you look at it more than anything, I don't think, I mean. Maybe Zach Ertz is a guy. Maybe Goddard did a little bit of this. I just, I just don't think he. I think what's impressive about the four thousand yards is that he just did not have a dynamic playmaker out there. Right. You know what I mean? Like there wasn't like the one guy who were you like he's my release valve. He's my safety guy. I'm going to give him twelve to fourteen targets a game. Like that. That guy did not exist. I think that's kind of how you want to. One of my criticisms of, of him was the yards per attempt, and it's been bottom third pretty much all year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like but scre- that, that being said, short you know, yeah. is that an indictment of him and his inability to throw the ball down the field accurately? I mean, at times, like I think he had Boston Scott, who again is five foot six, <laughs> he, but he missed him and he missed him badly. Uh, the one that he like night. ballooned. Yeah, over I mean, the it top was of it was off by uh, six yards, but. Yeah. That being said, he didn't have any pop plays. Like he didn't get the ball out to a receiver who made a guy miss and then take it sixty yards. And I think that 
Yeah. You know, that's part of what that statistic to me represents. I think that that may be more on the the overall lack of speed and dynamic playmakers than it is about his ability to, to push the ball down the field. I, I just keep coming back to this. Like, I keep I keep framing it this way. Could you imagine what how much uh, slurping the national media would be doing if Aaron, like Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees had, was throwing to – Deontay B- yeah. Burnett and Greg Ward and found his way back to nine and seven into the playoffs. Like I just, you wouldn't hear the end of it. You right. know what I mean? I and think that, that the here you go. Here's your word narrative. I think yeah, that the yeah, yeah. the NFC East thing has has taken a little bit of the shine off of that. It just seems like it's almost convenient to to sort of crap on the NFC East. Yeah. And so it's yeah, like, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, look who they played. My thing is like, yes, their schedule down the stretch was uh, not very difficult. Nah. That being said, if they would have played those teams in the middle of the year, maybe they wouldn't have needed the mad dash at the end to get into the postseason. Like I, every team plays against weak competition. Like let's let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens, who everybody loves this year, right? Yeah, you're, like, not, you're, an, you're not an North. AFC North. The guy, division right? stunk. Yeah. Yeah. you know. So I don't want to hear about the division. They still had to do it. They they did it with a, a skeleton crew. I, I I found it to be uh, extraordinarily impressive. Here's another stat I got for you. I had to scroll down. I couldn't find where I put it in the story. Uh, in December, uh, Doug Peterson is twelve and six. So now there's more context to that because the three of those losses took place in 2016. Okay, the first year when they really didn't do whatever. So if you removed that, you know, he, I think he's like eleven and and three or something in December. You also have the junk six nothing Cowboys game, game that, right. that didn't matter. But uh, so depending on how how you want to like kind of. Uh, Give me another word besides parse. I think I said parse four times on the show already. But de- depending on how you want to quantify that, uh, you, I mean, you could say he's like 12 and 5, 12 and 2. Like, you can kind of, like, structure that any way you want. But they just, like, I don't know what it is, man, if, if coaches can have a clutch gene also. But he's got something well, in if December. You, if you, you know? take that Dallas game, that 6 nothing Dallas six game nothing. out, where they didn't play anybody, right? They played all backups yeah, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. Okay? Take that game the out. The Tony Romo game. Yeah. yeah. Take all those games. Take that game out of the mix. Mm-hmm. Since December of 2017, including the playoffs, he's only lost one game. And that was the playoff game to New Orleans yeah. last year. That's a better way to frame it. I mean, really, when yeah. you look at it. I mean, yeah. so the last three years – He's got one loss after December 1st in a game that he was meaningful, and it was a playoff game to New Orleans, that if Alshon Jeffrey catches the ball, yeah. it's not a loss. And maybe it's something. I know. You know what I'm saying? Know. So it's it goes to, to show yeah. how good of a coach, like Bob was saying earlier, how good of a coach he is when the chips are down. Yeah, I just, I mean, hopefully it's the end of the, you know, the Carson Wentz and Nick Foles thing. I mean, I mean it should never have really been a – I think that's I, over. I I, 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 understand, do. I understand why it was a it's thing. Over. It's just I I think hopefully I think we had to go through that exercise the last two years to deliver us to where we are now, which is where we should have been at the beginning, which is to say Foles is a hero in Philadelphia. He always will be. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got huge private parts and a Lombardi trophy, and but Wentz is a is a franchise quarterback too. But I think Carson. I mean, it's fair to say that he had to like. He was under somebody else's shadow at that point. He had to come out and prove himself. You know, I, I keep going back to 2017. I, I talk about I, – I, my take was always that I felt like he proved everything that he needed to prove in 2017. But I understand why the situation would change, and you have to hit the reset button on that and say that the circumstances have changed, and now you have to go out and prove it again. So, I mean, I feel like he's he's done that. I think the one thing that totally erases it, and I think he's he's almost 85% of the way there, 
with the entire fan base, like even if you take some of the most radical anti-Wentz people, it's it's almost impossible to overlook the lack of weapons that he's had. And so I think that's been a, a large part of this, although any realist would also point to the the quality of competition that they've gone up against the last few weeks. I mean, if if you're taking on a, a Baltimore, a Kansas City, a, a New England, even a, a New Orleans, these games probably don't play out the same way. No, they don't. They don't. And so I think it's still safe to say that like there, it's worth kind of tempering expectations a little bit just because of the quality of opponent. But even the the most staunch Foles supporters or, or Wentz detractors have to acknowledge that this has been an impressive run. The thing that I think puts it over the top is, are you able to get a playoff win? Because until Carson Wentz wins a game in the postseason – that will always be a question. It's how many times have we seen a great regular season quarterback and then they just kind of fall off when the lights get a little bit brighter? Yeah, yeah. If if you're able to win against Seattle, who have been so desperate at running back that they had to bring back the corpse, uh, the reanimated corpse of Marshawn Lynch to play the position, it's a team that, I mean, it, it really is the Russell Wilson show and then like some somewhat decent receivers that are like occasionally good for a, a, I'm a with big you player in, too. I'm, I'm with you in general, but I again, I don't think that you can use whatever happens on Sunday as an indictment of Carson Wentz. The fact that they got there in this situation, this isn't a loaded team that was supposed to get there. I think that we're all pretty aware of the fact that it's it's impressive that they've reached this point. It's his first playoff game. NFL quarterbacks in their first playoff games don't typically win. I mean, it's just it's a league-wide trend that we've seen over the last 15 years. Um, it's a big ask. And, you know, I actually I think the Eagles can. It, I actually think the Eagles are going to win on Sunday. I, I do not believe in Seattle at all. Uh, I think it is the perfect matchup for them. Uh, we can get to that in a little bit, but I'm, gonna I, I'm not. I'm well, not going to. I'm not out on Carson Wentz if the Eagles don't win on Sunday, and I don't think it's fair to to crucify him or say that he can't get it done in big spots in no, his first playoff game with this. Yeah, team. so let me reiterate. I don't think that, regardless of how this next game goes down, unless he totally implodes, and I mean like he throws three, four picks. He looks like he did the first game against or, Seattle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like then maybe this is a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Let me throw this out to you guys: the the defense in the fourth quarter yesterday came up with some huge plays and when you go through the list of the the players that this team has lost this year most of them came from the offensive side of the of the ball defense they lost what Grugier Hill Darby Maddox Maddox went out Mills yeah okay so they lost corner depth if you're being honest how big of a loss were those corners like is Jalen Mills a guy who puts you over the top? Like, no, I, I, I think Jalen Mills is markedly better than Rasul Douglas. Yeah, I, 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 is Ronald Darby at the current the current level that Ronald Darby plays at when healthy? Is he exponentially better than his replacement? Like, are these? I don't. I don't think. I don't think Ronald the, Darby. The, no, I don't think the drop offs. Yeah, are, no. are very so, big. Yeah. So is it fair to say that like if anybody if there's going to be an indictment on anybody, regardless of like how Sunday plays out? Could we say that like this maybe is the game that determines Jim Schwartz's future? Because the defense had an exceptional end of the game against the Giants, but there have been these lapses throughout the season where this defense goes from being like a somewhat healthy bunch or like they still have those dynamic playmakers up front, like they're still a hell of a defensive line. If if this team either gets blown out or you get into a some kind of a shootout with a Seahawks offense that has no running game to speak of, like is this the thing that finally makes 
Doug Peterson and Howie Roseman have to look at Jim Schwartz as the coordinator. Going I, I don't I don't know if you can, man, because then you get into this this iffy like purgatory, which is where you don't want to be, which is what I think we talked about a couple weeks ago, where it's like, how can you really make any clear evaluation on anything this year? Yeah. You know, just with, with the personnel situation being what it is. I mean, even on the defensive line, you lost Malik Jackson and Hassan Ridgeway, and you got Jernigan in there, and now you have Anthony Rush. And, you know, it's it's still it's still kind of like the situation on defense, even though I don't think the – like I think the drop-offs, to Russ's point, on defense are not as steep personnel-wise as they are offensively. Like obviously going from Lane Johnson to Big V is a bigger drop-off than going from Ronald Darby to uh, Rasul Douglas or something, you know. But – you know, I don't know how much true evaluation you can do if you get to nine, if you're nine and seven and you play well against Seattle, but you lose. Like, because you're, you're sort of sitting there saying, like, eh, you know, we actually did pretty good. You know, we like this guy, we like this guy, versus five weeks ago, everybody was ready to blow it up. It's like, you can't, I don't think you can lose sight of that despite the fact that they fought back and got to where they were. It's just kind of a tricky situation. You don't want to go too far in one direction where Howie Roseman then says, well, we like what we got. I mean, you look at what they've done at home defensively going back to the beginning of October. Six points allowed, 14 points allowed, 17 points, 17, 17, 9. Can I put an asterisk on the 117, though? The Seattle 17? Because DK Metcalf dropped a touchdown yeah. in that game. He dropped another pass in that game. I f- that, I guess, would have been the biggest Yeah, but the only, thing, the only thing with that game, though, keep in mind, is they turned the ball – Eagles turned the ball over five times. Yeah. The defense yeah, yeah, was yeah. put in a bad spot. They're not going to play – I know. It's in not going to play out that same way. You know, they just, they've, been, they've been one of the best teams in, in terms of, of scoring defense in the NFL You know, this year. It's, I still think – yeah, I mean, I think Bob's right in his, in his kind of assertion that – even going back to the last night that you say, say that you would have rather had Seattle than San Francisco – but I like I I still think back for whatever reason to 2017 and playing Russell Wilson out there, um, I I could see you know on Sunday him you know even if they can't run the ball he'll roll out run ten yards backwards like a chicken with his head cut off and wait 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 and eventually somebody's gonna get open against uh you know Sidney Jones or Rasul yeah. Douglas or you know whoever's out there you know I mean I will say this last night I I don't know if you watched the. San Francisco Seattle game parts of it. my wife uh, had Bravo on uh. after the, the, <laughs> she was looking for her housewives but it wasn't yeah a, um you know the 49ers got after Russell Wilson they did yeah and he still almost pulled that game out I know it's crazy to think about I just I just because if you're weighing those two the two teams you know we were talking about do you want Jimmy G going cross country and playing his first playoff game or do you want the worst team with the better quarterback I think you still want to play Seattle. I think, I think better, it's a better matchup. Seattle, yeah. I don't so think would, I, I don't think the the Eagles would do as well trying to cover Kittle, trying to yeah. cover you know trying <laughs> trying to cover those receivers and as fast running, as they their are. Running game is so still a one dimensional so offense. Yeah. With a suspect defense. Who, by yeah. the way, just lost Michael Kendricks. Who's, yeah, you, you can talk all you want about Michael Kendricks. Hey, he was average at best here. Yeah. He was having a very good season for them. That's a big loss. Yeah, he was. I'm telling you, this sets up in their favor. They get a couple of these guys back. You get the right tackle back possibly this week. Uh, that would be a big one, especially with Brooks now being out. You get back uh, Jalen Mills. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a situation where I do think that they, they can pull this one off. So I we're going to dive into this a little bit more on the other side of the break here. If you want to get in, 888-728-9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. You're listening to Crossing Broadcast on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. And we are back on Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. 
Guys, we got a little bit of breaking news over the break. DraftKings yeah. Sportsbook is officially available in Pennsylvania. As the trusted leader in daily fantasy, DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting and is already America's top-rated sportsbook app. With so much going on this week, you'll definitely want to take advantage of the convenience to bet wherever, whenever with the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Plus, DraftKings is based right here in the U.S., not offshore, so you know that your funds are safe and secure. And if you're already betting in PA, bet with another book and take advantage of DraftKings' great sign-up offer. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use our promo code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet just for signing up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with our promo code CROSSINGBROAD to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet of up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Big Bet Bob! Eagles, Seahawks, Sunday afternoon from Lincoln Financial Field. Something to think about here. Uh, I actually, let's go all underdogs, two and a half points or less in the first two rounds of the postseason are 17-4-2 against the spread. In the wild card round, they're 12-2-2 ATS. Eagles are currently a one-and-a-half to two-point underdog, depending on where you look. So that game fits the profile. And I will take the Eagles, and I like the Eagles, especially with the fact that 85% of the money right now is on Seattle. 85% of the early week money, and believe it or not, that's actually pretty substantial. People like to bet ahead of time on, on playoff games specifically. Uh, I think that matters. I will gladly go against the public in this spot, and I'm taking the Eagles. But is that sharp money? I think it's just people that are <laughs> looking to get involved. Uh, one, of our, one of our friends, a sharp, uh, Phil Kaidel. Ah. Yeah, I think he has a $6 wager in on the uh, Seahawks here. Six so, big uh, ones. I'm going against the public and Phil. This weekend. So it's great to see Phil uh, chime in and tell us about his wins and losses on Slack. I think the most he's ever bet at one time was about six seventy five or something like that. Not six hundred seventy five cents. <laughs> yes, six dollars yes, and yes. seventy five cents. <laughs> Russ, Russ and I caught him down at the uh, uh, Flyers game last yeah. week, just attacking. Popcorn yeah. and oh, crab was, fries. Was he going after the coach too? Was he yelling? At <laughs> no, <him? laughs> no. He's no. actually very. He Subdued. knows. He knows that Aline Vigneault is a legit coach. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you only live once too, so you know. Wow. After this, I'd like to attack some crab <laughs> crab fries. And, <laughs> if there's any on uh, in Ballackinwood, but so uh, what do we think about the? Whoa! Whoa! Black whoa! 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 Mono? What? Must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. Okay. Deposit bonus requires 25-time playthrough. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So what do we think about the coaching carousel in the NFL on uh, Black Monday? Pat Shermer no longer uh, in charge. Want to miss him? This is bad. This is bad for the Eagles because at some point, among any of the teams in the NFC East, one of them is going to have to hire a legit coach, right? Like a now, yeah, you can't miss all the time, right? The Giants aren't are, aren't a terrible job to walk into. They've got the Giants. They're not a terrible team to walk into. Yeah, I said not. Lennox back there. Like, yo, chill out, dude. Yeah. Franchise quarterback. You got your franchise quarterback set up. Running You've back. You've got a legit, what, top three running back in the league? Yeah. Better offense. Offensive line's better than it used to be. And it's New York. And, and yeah. for, you know, regardless of the fact that the Giants haven't really been a free agent draw, it's still New York. If you do it right, if you set it up right, you can still recruit guys to go play in New York. Now, how many do you think Dave Gettleman still being the uh, general manager there is a turn off to wow to, so he, to people who want to go back? Did you see? Did you hear what he said? 
today. Uh, or was it today I, that he said it? Try to let it go in one Where, year now. Literally, they asked the question the media asked him was, you know, you went five and eleven this year. He goes, I didn't go five and eleven this year. Oh. The man. New York football giants went five and eleven this year. Yeah, that's not a good sign. You can't say that is the GM of the team. Know. So if you're let me ask you this. If you're <laughs> Matt Rule, who's like the hot name out there, a guy who I think would be great in the NFL. Yeah. Has been linked to the New York Giants. He coached the New York Giants in 2012. He was the assistant offensive line coach. Dave Gettleman was some kind of like special coordinator, quality control, you know, whatever the hell title you want to come up with, just to right. get him on the staff kind of thing back then. Matt Rule, I guess it was reported, or he told a radio station in Dallas, I see the reason that he wasn't interested in the Jets job is because he couldn't really bring his own coaching staff in. So let's let me give you a theoretical because we're on the radio, so we'll do a theoretical, right? If the Giants said to Matt Rule, the head coaching job is yours, you can bring in your assistants and create the staff that you want, but you got to work with Dave Gettleman. I mean, would you do that? Yeah. Yeah? I, I had to think about it, but yes. I... Like you trust him to, like, if you don't have to deal with him on a day-to-day right. basis, but you say, look, just get me – Get the me. players, and I'll take it from here. Right, because you you always feel like you can coach up players. Yeah, right. What, I mean, what coach, quality, coaches feel that all the time. What quality about Matt Rule do you think makes him an ideal NFL candidate? Well, he's got experience in the NFL, and just his 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 track record at Temple and Baylor is that he takes programs that are struggling and installs baseline processes that result in these like three year turnarounds every single time. It's like that guy Marcus Lemonis from the Prophet. <laughs> the Prophet, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he goes the camping in, world, right? It's Isn't like he does, deal? yeah. He <laughs> he does like a full audit of the program. It says we're going to do this, 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 and this. And his process, the way that he does everything, just kind of like gets people to buy in. Now, I don't know if NFL players going to buy in the same way as college players are. But you got like your Pete Carroll's out there, and people, and there's proof that some college could. Well, Pete Carroll actually was in the NFL, then went to college. And then came back to the NFL, so maybe he's not the best example. But he went he, he went from USC to Seattle and got it done. But just the, the, the nobody's done a better job in the college game the last couple of years of just taking programs and rebuild, taking them like Bay, Baylor was like in the dumps. Like that team went eleven and two, eleven and two, and then got the, had got hit by the scandal, had no scholarships. <laughs> he took the job because he knew he'd have longevity there; he'd be protected. They went one and eleven his first year. They went seven and six the next year, and then they went eleven and two this year. And they could go twelve and two if they beat Georgia. So it just feels like honestly, though, if I'm if I'm here's another theoretical. Maybe Matt Rule or whoever whoever you want to be. Say you say Jason Garrett. I think we all know is gone, right? They just won't make any official announcement. They'll probably just wait for his contract. Are, we think that's what's going to happen. They're just going to wait for his contract to expire. Yeah, it expires what the middle of January. Yeah, yeah. So if you had a, if if you waited for the Cowboys job to open, which job would you rather have? The Giants or the Cowboys? Um, if you're just any generic coach, it doesn't make a difference. With the situation being what it is, but, Jerry Jerry Jones or Dave Gettleman, they both want you. Yeah, I take the Giants. I take the Giants too. I think the ownership's better. Yeah, I take the Giants. I take the Cowboys. You can't have an owner as a GM. There's, the reason that the Cowboys have struggled for as long as they have is because their owner is their general manager. So, are we? If we had to rank the attractiveness of the 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 openings in the NFC East would we say Giants number one Giants are easily number one the other See, two, that the depends other, though right the like, other what two do you prioritize brutal. because when you're and I, don't get me wrong obviously the Giants are one of the most high profile teams in the NFL but Dallas is a different level like if you're 
if you're one of those guys that grew up in in middle America or you're a rat from around here and you know you would you love the the Dallas Cowboys yeah, I mean yeah. that is the job right so like I, I do think contextually like the way that the organizations are currently set up the Giants are the more desirable job but I think that some people would probably prefer that that ultra high profile you know you get skip Bayless talking about you every Monday morning I think I, right. I, I think Lincoln Riley's a lock to go to. I hope Dallas, he brings his Dallas. defensive staff with him. Yeah, I think he's a lock. <laughs> <laughs> I have something I want to say about if, that later, but yeah. I want to hear Russ is like shaking his head at me. Here. Well, to me, like you look at what the longevity, what the lifespan of a coach in the NFL is and professional sports in general. If I'm trying to make the playoffs immediately and that's going to buy me an extra year or buy me two extra years, Dallas is is ready to compete. Like Dallas, Dallas, they've got some the, salary cap issues which and is things fine. that they're going to have to figure out. But which I, is, I hear which you. is fine. But they're more ready to con- to quote unquote contend right now. Yeah, they have the better roster, and in right the next now, year sure. or two than the Giants do, as currently constructed. So if you if you go into it knowing, hey, I might only have two years to really prove myself as an NFL coach, I'd rather go into that Dallas situation any day of the week. Now, you're not going to win with Dallas, and you're not going to win. With the Giants, like regardless, you're not going to be a legitimate contender. But if you're able to take what Dallas went eight and eight, say next year, we continue this trend of like no back to back winners of the NFC East and you lead Dallas to the division title at, say, 10 and six, that ends up looking good. Right. Because then you're being compared to your predecessor who got nine years to miss the playoffs six times. That's that's like a pretty attractive opening compared to like the Giants you you might go five and 11 in your first year and and that's not an improvement so here's the thing that like the common theme with if you're looking at the NFC East as a whole like every job outside of the Eagles job has some like red flag hang up at the top the Redskins got rid of Bruce Allen finally but you got to go work for Dan Snyder you know the Cowboys Great stadium, great location, great pedigree, great whatever. You have all the cockroach fans up here. Who are you going to follow, follow you? Jerry Jones. It's a national brand. Jerry. Yeah, you got to navigate Jerry Jones. Giants, you know, again. You can be friends with Chris Christie. I will say, though. You could be. He, he is he, disgusting. Yeah, he really, he really is. <laughs> uh, I will what say a this. disgusting individual. You know, Ben McAdoo rightfully was fired, but he had a quick hook. Yeah, but how, how sure much had a quick hook. And I will say this for Jerry Jones. I mean, the man displayed just incredible patience with Jason Garrett. Over That's true. Like, like you get if you get Dallas on his a better job. Good side, man. You you have some time to build it there. I, why why I just wonder why Pat Shermer was hired in the first place. Like I think we uh, would agree that McAdoo kind of offended John Eli- Mara and everybody and with and the Eli, Eli and Geno, yeah, yeah. Geno Smith thing, which was nonsense. Right. Like I give him credit for doing that because everybody and their mother knew that Eli didn't have it. I think Shermer was looked at as a guy who was just going to be a get us to the next step. Like a bridge the gap kind yeah. of dude, like a means to an end. Right. Yeah. Just because yeah. they needed to they needed to re you know, they needed the young quarterback. They got Barkley. They got a couple of nice young receivers now. Now they can start building other parts of the team and the next coach can take them to be a playoff team. But clearly like Jeffrey Lurie and it's just funny because it all comes back. To, I laughed at the emotional intelligence thing when he said that a while back. But now when I'm looking at it in 2019 going on 2020 now, if you look at the culture and the vibe that there is in Philadelphia and NovaCare versus Dan Snyder and Landover, uh, Jerry Jones and that nonsense in Dallas, Dave Gettleman and John Mara in New York, I mean, 
Well, I think Mara. I, I think Mara's a good owner. I do. I don't think that. I think that he maybe gets a bad rap. That's sometimes. true. I think. Some, I think some of the Eli stuff and some of the quotes that he dropped last year yeah. kind of rubbed people the wrong way. Made, made it seem like he was stubborn or something right. like that. I don't, right. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, but I, I all, all told me the Mara family has always been good owners for the New York Giants. Yeah. I, Gettleman, I don't think is a good GM, but I think that that's the difference here is is that Gettleman can be replaced maybe not right away yeah. but ultimately could be replaced so if you're a coach and you're looking where to go yeah you have to deal with him as a gm but you don't have to deal you may not have to deal with him long term well i would want some assurance from the ownership if i'm signing on to coach the giants that hey you know because gettleman i think was was on the hot seat and they ultimately decided to retain him yeah but yeah. if they they stumble again next year is this going to be one of these deals hey you're going to bring in another gm in 2021 yeah a am i going out with the the current GM, if you decide to move on, you know, yeah, like I, I would need some type of assurance. The great yeah. thing is, the so, longer you guys talk, the more obvious it is that I'm right that Dallas is the better job. It's not. <laughs> it is. It's not. It's not the better I job. I don't know if it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I. Well, let me ask this. So we think nothing official, but we think Ron Rivera is going to end up in Washington. Washington. Yeah, that's a good hire. Yes, and they're going to bring in a new GM, and he'll get that kind of organized. Because it was, I think that with him in Carolina, that just kind of ran its course. But, but right, what, it was, he's not a bad coach. But what do just, they what do they have in Washington? Um, I don't know. Talent wise, Dwayne Haskins. Like they don't have and talent. Old Ryan Kerrigan, Terry McLaurin. <laughs> they don't have talent. That's I know, the thing. I know, they're, yeah. they're bereft of talent. They have more. They have more to do in the personnel department than I, the other two. I'll teams. tell you right they have, now, they have low expectations. I th yeah, okay, fine, which but is not a bad spot to start building. I from. just like, I just, I don't know. I just like where the Giants are right now compared to. Dallas. So who do we? So I mean, who's your best guess for who takes a job in Dallas and who takes a job in New York? I think Lincoln Riley goes to Dallas, for sure. Mm -hmm. I think that's who that's who Jerry Jones wants. That's why when Jerry Jones says we don't care what other teams are hiring, blah 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 blah, blah because he knows who his guy is going to be. Already. He's got a lot. He's, he's got it locked him. in. They've probably already worked it out. When he hired Barry Switzer, when he replaced Jimmy Johnson, that deal was in place like weeks before. Johnson was was gone, so I mean it was. It, that's how Jerry operates. And so, he was straight out of Oklahoma. Straight too, out of Oklahoma. Yeah. Okay, so it's the same. It's the same thing. Twenty five years later, um, so I really think Lincoln Riley is going to Dallas. The Giants, I'm not sure. I mean, I know Matt Rule's being mentioned, but I think that there's a lot of other names. That I see. Could I would like, go there. I know Eric Bieniemy was mentioned today, yeah. right? Who's the coordinator for the Chiefs? I would, and I know that some people will probably roll their eyes when I say this, but I'm going after the Andy Reid tree if I can. I mean, the guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's just it. It works. It that system works. I, I know that Nagy was up and down with the Bears this year, and yeah. certainly he's gotten his fair share of criticism. But I mean, it, it's almost safe to say, like, hey, this guy. I, I, and if I'm the Giants, I want an offensive mind, right? Uh, Especially you know. when you have a young quarterback and the running back that you have there, and they've received. You definitely want somebody who's an offensive coach. So you mentioned uh, Lincoln Riley's defense, and uh, <laughs> Bob did. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it, you know, it's funny because I. Um, I think I watch more college football than, than most people in the city, most like media people in the city. And it was just, I, I think I was kind of bothered, number one. It's like every year the college football playoff comes around, it's during, uh, you know, the, the break in between Christmas and, uh, you know, New Year's and Philadelphians who otherwise don't watch college football at any point in the year start doing college football hot takes and stuff like that. It's like, it, it's, I'm glad that people are watching, but, you know, they give up 40, 49 points or whatever at halftime to LSU. And then you hear the typical stuff like, well, they don't play defense in the Big 12 and blah, blah, blah. It's, I mean, it's true to a certain extent, but it's not, that's not the whole story. Like in college football now, these days, offenses are amazing and defenses are bad across the board. And 
you know, to me, that game said more about LSU than it did Oklahoma. Because Oklahoma going into that game had allowed 382 points uh, this year. Uh, the only other teams that allowed that much or more were Louisville, Washington State, Hawaii, Oregon State, UCLA, Arizona, Arkansas, Nevada, Utah State, Kansas, Georgia Tech, USC, and Colorado. So there's teams in there that were worse than Oklahoma, but not a ton. Now, Oklahoma scored 590 points, and here are the other teams to do that. Clemson, Ohio State, and LSU. Okay, so it's like I, I think it's inaccurate to say, well, the Big 12 doesn't play defense because the Pac-12 doesn't play defense either. LSU is regularly like hanging 40 points and 50 points on SEC teams. You know, they put 66 on Vanderbilt. 42 on far. They scored 46 points on Alabama. This is recency bias. I can't recall an offense that is this this dynamic and explosive on a consistent basis. It's crazy, man. The Joe Burrow is that good. And I think it's I think it's kind of a shame that people were kind of coming back to like, well, there's no defense in college football because I thought it was like kind of not doing it. Like you got to give LSU credit, man. Their offense is that good. I mean, you watch, go back to the LSU Alabama game, and I know it's cliche to say this, but there's there's defensive, there's NFL talent across the board on that Alabama defense, and the way that LSU just just shredded, just them, shredded. Was, I know, that I think so. I think it's less about how bad college defenses are, and I think offenses are just that good. I mean, if you think about LSU, the knock on them for forever was that their their offense and even like I mean SEC offenses and Big Ten offenses were all kind of just like is it amazing though like with boring. LSU some of the talent that they've had offensively over Leonard, the years Leonard and, Fournette and they could <laughs> never you know they they'd be playing Alabama and they'd be losing nine six you know it I mean just, somebody I need somebody to type in like LSU draft picture something because they've put a ton of like good wide receivers and running backs oh yeah Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jarvis together o- o- yeah OBJ um I mean even like at the time like Zach Zach Mettenberger was not a bad quarterback. But he's playing like a pro style offense that, you know, like when you think about LSU and Alabama and Penn State and Michigan State, you know, when other teams, when Big 12 offenses were all running these and and Chip Kelly and Pac-12 offenses were running these like spread up tempo air raid, anything coming from the Hal Mummy tree, like a lot of these other teams were just kind of slow to adapt. So I don't know why the, you know, my favorite word again, why the narrative was always about how bad the defenses were when really I think like the offenses were just that good. Like you see SEC teams that are finally getting with it. Now. Who, who do you have in the in the final? LSU. I, I think you got to say LSU, man. Yeah, but I, Ohio State kind of got screwed in that. They um, did. With the with the catch that wasn't a, a catch and the, the three steps. And yeah. I was having like uh, nightmare flashbacks to uh, Chris Collinsworth trying to explain the <laughs> – Zach, Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz touchdown, touchdown in the Super Bowl. In the, yeah. in the Super Bowl. Hey, did, yeah. did you know I was one time a uh, AP voter for the college football? When was this? 2007. Who'd you vote for? LSU. Yeah. Uh, they were my number one at the beginning of the year. Was that LSU Ohio State year? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's funny because there was this big study that was done about the voting that year that there was uh, bias, voter bias in the poll because this was before the uh, BCS yeah. was created before the playoff and so the you know the champ the champion was determined solely by us voting um and uh I was asked to do it um just because I liked college football and I was one of like a handful of voters nationwide who like would sit there and actually look at results who played who 
who you know how did this team match up with this team you know and i actually like kept artists well if you lost to this team then you're gonna you can't be ahead of them in the stand in the rankings whatever kind of kind of stuff if your records are the same like i really i would stay up until like three in the morning on saturday night because i was watching some west coast stinking game yeah like just uh, hawaii versus whoever just for the number 23 ranked team right just to make sure that i got it right in my poll and it turned out the study that was done years later like three or four years later that the people who voted in that poll in 2007, all, all they only voted for their hometown teams or yeah. the teams that were closer to them. They've never watched games like these. These voters weren't even watching other college games, and I'm like, I spent an entire <laughs> I know, football you put season in do, putting yeah. in all this who was work. Was it a, like a year or two ago that <laughs> sold their Hall of Fame vote? Yeah. to like a, a general like someone in the public was that Lebetard? I think did that or something. It, like, yeah, it might have been Dan Lebetard. He did. He, I think yeah. it was, and then yeah. he, they took it away. Yeah, from and him. they took it away from. They him. took it away from. Him. Like he let somebody in the public vote yeah. for the for the Hall of Fame. I'm just looking down the list at like all these defensive players that came out of LSU, and it's like uh, just in the past ten years, and it's ridiculous. Patrick Peterson. Uh, oh, Ruben Randall was another wide receiver that came out of there. Remember Barcavius Mingo, Eric Reed, your boy Eric Reed, um, Benny Logan, Tyron Matthew. Honey Badger, Spencer, if, Spencer Ware, OBJ. If you ever Jarvis really want to see something cool, <laughs> like, and I know as a, Blue. as a college football guy, you'll appreciate this. Check out the 2001 Miami Hurricanes roster. Oh God, it is, I, I could name probably half they had of that. Four NFL running backs on the roster at the same time. Um, Edgren James. Oh no, he played for uh, Portis. Clinton Portis, uh, Najee Davenport, Dorsey. Oh no, Ken was Ken Dorsey, Ken Dorsey the, quarter, was the quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. Uh, Ed Reed, I think, was on the defense, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Wilfork, Jerome McDougal, Jamal Green, <laughs> Wilfork. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I just, I mean, it, was, it was entertaining. I just, I just don't. Yeah, it just bothers me for some reason when people say, "Well, the defenses are this bad," because I think that I think the offenses in college football are just so good. Yeah. In this day and age, I think it's kind of disingenuous to say that. Well, they're just beating up crappy, crappy defensive teams. You know what I mean? agree. And hey, we have to, we have to do one more spot, and then we have to have have Kevin give his. No, uh, yeah, his uh, it's a college football themed Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore, yeah, yeah. So what then? Yeah, right. Dolphins just fired their offensive coordinator. Oh, oh. the Dolphins did. Hmm. Interesting. Wow, oh. interesting. That's after, good. For, after that's beating good, the, the yeah, Patriots but good for Flores team. though, because I mean, he really turned that team around. He did. Yeah, well, they were really, seven and on. they finished did five and eleven. Did he turn it around, or did Fitz Magic turn it? Well, around? both. Honestly, that well, it's crazy to say, but that law, that Eagles loss, doesn't look. That doesn't look as bad, right? <laughs> you want to do the quick yeah, so, uh, logic? So, so really quickly, you know, the 13th is the national championship since you guys were talking about it. There's no better place to go take in a game than at Odd Logic Brewing Company. Located at 500 Bristol Pike in Bristol, PA, they're the number one place to go. Let me tell you something. If you're trying to get out to, to see a game, you've got the kids, you've got the wife, girlfriend, fiance, whoever, take them out to Odd Logic Brewing Company. Got tons of flat screen TVs all around. They'll have every game pumping out through the uh, the surround sound speakers in the uh, in the ceiling. But here's the thing: this is what separates Odd Logic Brewing Company from every other place you can go. Not only do they have an exceptional selection of beers, but they're also innovators. A couple weekends ago, they were putting their double IPA through fresh pineapples. That's the kind of stuff they like to do. They had cold brew coffee, nitro cold brew coffee on tap. They have craft drinks. They've got cocktails that they that they locally source, fantastic, great selection of beverages, alcohol, non-alcohol. 
fantastic, especially if you've got the designated driver in your life, and especially at the holiday season, everybody knows how important that is. Go check them out, Odd Logic Brewing Company in Bristol, PA. Let them know that you heard about them over on Crossing Broadcast on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. And let me give you another, just another little little thing to keep in mind. Mm. Sometimes you want to go to, to a, a brewery and you wonder, is it okay for my kid to go? Absolutely is. There's a video game corner in the upstairs area. It's a nice open second floor where you can keep an eye on your kids without having to be right on top, making sure that they're you know being little angels. Take your kids to Odd Logic Brewing Company. Let them sit in the corner, play some video games. Enjoy the classics while you take in the game. And by the way, Eagles playoff game this weekend. You know that it's going to be a packed house. They'll have a food truck outside providing meals uh, all day. So make sure you go check them out. Odd Logic Brewing Company, the official brewing company of Crossing Broadcast. All right, Kev, it's yeah, time. Yeah. It's I'm gonna time. Give you my uh, Mount Rushmore of Matt Rule's best college football wins of all time. <laughs> I want to see, before you say, I want to see there was, I actually covered one that I think might be on your list. Okay. Well, I did two from Temple. I did two from Baylor to keep it like kind of even. So uh, September 5th, 2015, 27 to 10 Temple home win over Penn State. Yeah. That's, I didn't cover that one, but that's certainly on your list. I know the other one. Playing quarterback for uh, Penn State in that game. Christian Hackenberg. Ah. Yeah. The the immobile, the most immobile uh, quarterback I think I've ever watched. I added December 3rd, 2016, 34-10 at number 20 Navy in the American title game. That is. Because yeah, yeah, the AAC title game was not played at neutral right. neutral sites. So they was, actually had to go down and play Navy down there. And it was a good them. win because Navy was ranked and they blew them out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, November 23rd of this year, Baylor 24-10 over Texas in Waco. Um, and the reason I put that down there was because that was after they lost to Oklahoma, like the bad come, the, they gave they, up all those points. Blew it, yeah. And they could have folded there and they could have, you know, rolled over and died or whatever, but they came back with a huge win over Texas. Charlie Brewer, their quarterback, was actually snubbed by Texas. He wanted to go there, um, ended up going to Baylor instead, and he beat Texas by two touchdowns. And the last one I had was actually uh, Saturday, November 24th, 2018. Uh, 34 to 24 over Texas Tech to become bowl eligible. And then they went and beat Vanderbilt in the uh, something Texas Bowl. Texas Bowl. Yeah, yeah. And that was just kind of, they got to, they got, became bowl eligible. They got to seven and six. And that was the point where you really said, wow, these guys like look like they're for real and they're going to be good next year. And then they went 11 and two this year. They lost in overtime to Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game. And now they got a shot to beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. I mean, the fact that that, where that program was. Two years ago. A couple ago. years ago and where yeah. they are now. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Now, the one you didn't mention uh, that I put down that I covered was a Temple game. Uh, November 1st, 2014, mm-hmm. they beat number 21 East Carolina. The ECU game, yeah. 20 to 10. It was their first win against a ranked opponent in, I think, 16 years at the time. Yeah, And, and that I think was, that's what kind of turned the Temple around That was the bit. win that you yeah. could point to and said, hey, this is what made Temple kind of their what most, they were going to be. Yeah. One of their most yeah. impressive games was the one that they lost to Notre Dame. Yeah, it was a 2015. I think they were yep. winning late, and Sean Kaiser came down the field. Yes. and they yeah. just like a Houdini yeah. act. Notre Dame escaped. I, well, that, I remember that's yeah. a game. I remember that was a Saturday night game. ESPN. Yep, college game day was here on Independence Mall that day, which is crazy because game day is here every year when they do the Army Navy game because there's nothing else going on. Right, right. So they come here, but it's not the same. So they did Independence Mall. They come down. You remember it was Halloween night? Yeah, I was at a costume party. And I remember this guy like sitting there on the couch dressed up as Darth Vader, just watching Temple and Notre Dame at Lincoln Financial Field on national TV on a Saturday. It was like, just bizarre yeah. that people were even paying attention to it all. But it was, it was cool, you know? And uh, I remember Matt Rule actually came in 
to Channel 3 when I was working there the night of the Penn State game, and he did, like, a live interview on the set with us after doing all this national media after, like, the biggest win of his career. So good dude and a great college coach. It would be interesting to see him go to the Giants. And, uh, you know, like somebody was saying, somebody made the point earlier, like, surely of all of these, of all these teams, they're gonna one of them is going to make a good hire, you know. So the Eagles, uh, unfortunately, the Eagles rode the Jason Garrett train till the terminus, you know, <laughs> and now th- maybe the Cowboys will be an actual uh, team, respectable. Yeah, I don't know. You know. I don't know. I I don't know. I just don't see it. I I I just don't see it there. I yeah. I'm not convinced they're all coming back either. I mean, I don't. They got so many free agents. I know. I, I mean, they're only they're going to franchise Dak, but you know, poor Dak, man. Yeah. Yeah. I it mean, sucks for him. Th- but I mean, they got guys You're who making are, all that money. Well, it's not even that. That's not the point. <laughs> no, it's a situation. I know. Yeah. So all right. So Seattle, Philly. I, I like the I like the Eagles. I like the Eagles. I think the Eagles win this game. I think it's a good matchup for them. I think they mat. You're going to be able to with this offense that you know as patchwork as it is. Seattle's defense is is not good. Yeah. And I think that the Eagles will be able to take advantage of that. And I think the Eagles will control time of possession, which is I think really what's going to come down to. Uh, you know, in, in this game, if they can control time of possession, it's going to be a close game. I don't think they're going to blow them out by any stretch of imagination, but I think it's going to be a low-scoring, close game. I think the Eagles win something like twenty to sixteen. What do you say, Russ? Uh, I think they lose. Though the only reason I think they lose is because I I like what happens if they win. Uh, if they're able you to, you think they lose if, because you like what happens if yeah, they win. Yeah, because it's just it's just the way that fate works. Out of boy, Mister Hopkins. If they if they are able to win against Seattle, I think they end up winning in round two. I think they get Deshaun oh. Jackson back, and mm. all of a sudden, he's the guy that you can't game plan for because there's such little film of this offense with him available. And I think so they can pull the, a better room for the Vikings. You're doing this the weekend. what the what could have been angle. And that's always my problem is. Okay. Is like even Nick Foles' rookie season, they go on a nice improbable kind of run, and twenty-seven I, and two. Yeah and, yeah, and you just kind of wonder like, what if? What if they're able to get over that that first hump? Are they able to to continue it through hmm. the postseason? It's an interesting. Take. I I want to think that they win, but I I wouldn't put money on it. My next Mount Russell Rushmore. Wilson again undefeated all time against the Eagles. One of these Mount Rushmores is going to be Russ's worst takes of all time. I love it. Yeah, twenty-six twenty Eagles. There you go. What do you 20, got? Kev? They're going to put up twenty. I feel like points. it's going to come down to like a field goal at the end. I Russ think I thinks that, that Seattle feeling. still has the Legion of Boom secondary. Yeah, I, I, think the, I think the Eagles win win like a like, a like a twenty four to twenty three or like yep. a twenty one to twenty or something like that. You know? Real close. Yeah, I think yeah. that's. I think so. Russ, you're the outlier, my friend. Big surprise. Contrarian. Twenty seven seventeen Eagles. <laughs> you guys convinced me. Dead birds! There you go. After all that. We want to thank Ryan Lennox for uh, producing this fine broadcast. Uh, we'll see you all again next year or next week as well. Uh, have a happy new year, everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia.